Welcome back to the Hazmat Chat Podcast. I'm Wendy Buckley, CEO and President of STARS Hazmat Consulting. I'm here to talk to you today about training. As a hazardous materials consulting firm, I would say training is the second most popular service that we provide. First being audits. That's where people are looking for opportunities for improvement, areas of non-compliance, possibly safety issues. But everybody in the hazmat industry needs training. And some get much better training than others. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we've gotten into COVID and all of us working from home, people have moved more and more and more towards computer-based training because it's easy, it's simple, and it's always available. But is it really the right solution? I would argue maybe not. Let's talk about this for a second. Let me give you an example. Last January 28th, there was a nitrogen leak in a plant that produces chicken. Why nitrogen? Well, because as they process the chicken, they fast freeze it so they can get it to market safely for you. So they had had some of the equipment replaced that produces this nitrogen or that, that feeds this nitrogen to the plant. They had a leak in a freezer, the freezer malfunctioned. So when they had this leak, they sent three mechanics in to try to repair the leak. Unfortunately, these workers had never been trained in the hazards of nitrogen. So nitrogen people think is pretty innocuous material and it is, it's inert. It doesn't react with anything. It's not explosive, it's not flammable. It's not even poisonous, but it is an, an asphyxiant. An asphyxiant is something that displaces oxygen and makes it impossible for you to breathe. So death is painless and quick. There's really not much you can do about it. The other thing that nitrogen does is it's very cold, very, very cold. So you, you will freeze. If you touch it, your skin will freeze immediately. It can cause a lot of skin damage. So, but these workers had never been trained. So they go in to do what they've always done, which is something malfunctions, they go fix it. They walked into this freezer, which had this colorless, odorless gas inside, which had displaced all of the oxygen, and they died immediately. Another, a third worker, first two go in, they drop. The third worker goes in to try to help them. He also drops. All three of them are dead before the rescuers can ever arrive. Three more people go in to try to save them, and they have the same fate. Two died immediately on scene, and the third one died in the hospital. So six people dead in pretty much a few minutes. And all because they hadn't been trained in something they worked around every single day. I mean, they're a chicken plant, right? What's, what could be hazardous? What could be dangerous other than sharp instruments? You'd be surprised. The most common violation is training across the DOT year after year after year. This incident, this, this one in January in Georgia, resulted in a million dollars in fines amongst four companies that were involved. One of those companies paid 60% of that fine. Most companies, that would put them out of business. Smaller companies anyway. So the, the fines and penalties, that's not even the worst part. The worst part is the damage to your reputation, infrastructure, the employees, the, the damage to this will last this company a long time if they survive it. So when I was a DOT inspector, I used to work for the Federal Railroad Administration. It was the modal agency of the United States Department of Transportation that had jurisdiction over materials that are transported by rail. And so we would go into these shippers facilities all the time. And these shippers would have these computer-based training classes. And computer-based training classes do a fair job in my experience 
of the general awareness training that we're supposed to have. In some cases, they even do a fair job of the security awareness training. However, one thing they can't possibly do very well is the, hand, is the function specific training, which I would argue should always include a hands-on component. I also teach some classes at a university on hazardous materials transportation. And in my experience, both from my personal experience, as well as the students that I teach at companies and at the university, people don't learn from reading a book. They don't learn from watching a computer screen. They learn by doing. If these gentlemen in this nitrogen plant had been taught that in the event of a freezer malfunction, you need to be aware that the atmosphere could be unsurvivable, perhaps they would have been able to use something like an air monitor to make sure that they had oxygen, or perhaps they might have used breathing apparatus to make sure that they were safe going in. But because they had no experience with that, they gave up their lives and no one should have to go to work in the morning, not knowing if they're gonna come home to their families in the afternoon with every finger, toe, and limb that they went there with. Do you wanna trust your hands to a computer-based training who's never been to your plant? They created a generic class and that class might be taken by food companies that have uh, concentrated fruit juices. Those, are, those can be corrosive, some can even be explosive, but that's a very different function specific responsibility than someone who transports chlorine or who makes paper or who is involved in the oil and gas industry. So what I'm saying is the function specific training really does need to be specific. And I feel strongly that that's something that you can't get from computer-based training. People need to put their hands on it. They need to practice packing the boxes. They need to practice tightening the rail cars. They need to practice inspecting the trucks. They need to practice how to store these things, how to prepare a pallet to make sure that it's secure. There was a pharmaceutical company that I knew way back in the beginning of my career. And this pharmaceutical company kept having this problem where their pallets were breaking. Not the wooden part, but the actual construction of the pallet. The materials were falling off. They were spilling in the back of the truck. Now let's think about this for a second. I don't know about you, but I take a couple of medications all the time. And those medications are very expensive. Now thank God insurance pays most of them. But the point is if they spill a whole pallet of drugs, that's potentially millions of dollars that they're losing because they couldn't wrap a pallet. I mean, all they would have had to do to fix this is train their people how to do it and have the proper equipment to do it right. And they would be so much more profitable. This happened time and time and time again. And in my opinion, there is no excuse for that. Safety first, no excuses. That's our, lot, our motto here at STARS. And I would argue that it should be anyone's motto who's dealing with hazardous materials. In the next few episodes, we're gonna be covering some incidents that have happened throughout the history of our industry. And we wanna make sure we're learning from them, not that the chemical industry is bad because they're not, but we wanna learn what we can do to make this industry better for you, for me, for our fellow employees, the public, the environment. I hope you'll join me next time. Thank you so much for your time and have a great day.